2: A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary.
1: Hey, everybody. This is John Middlecoff from 3 and Out with John Middlecoff. Superchargers, headlights, and more Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions
3: apply. The Volume. Well, the NFL coaching world is full of phonies and psychos and frauds, and every once in a while, you get a real one. Uh, And that is... The way I would describe this guy. Uh, Don Wink Martindale has a very clearly defined coaching philosophy, and you see it out there uh, every week. He blitzed Belichick during the preseason. He blitzed an Aaron Rodgers, Hail Mary in London. Uh, He blitzed one of his favorite guys, Lamar Jackson, with the game on the line a couple weeks ago. Uh, Everybody calls him Wink, but he is in my phone as Don. Hello, sir.
4: How are we doing Mike?
3: Just wonderful. Um, yeah, y- you, you're not shy about what you are and what you do, right. You, you are, you're going to blitz people.
4: Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, each game's different and and the timing of pressures are, you know, uh, different for each game. I, I think that, you know, if, if I drive home from a game and say, I wish I would a rush more than, three or, you know, one max coverage or whatever it is, uh, that's not a fun drive home for me. I, 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 I'm more of a let's go for it and, you know, everybody execute and put it on me if it doesn't work. And we've had a lot of success doing it that way. And I say that, and then last week we played Jacksonville and the last three plays we were three-man rush, but it won <laughs> us a game. It was a situational football uh, decision that we made, and, and we made that on Thursday. You know, we have win the game Thursdays. If we got in that situation, here's what we would call. And we stuck with those calls and it won it for us.
3: You are six and one in New York. Now, you did incredible work in Baltimore the previous four seasons, but it's Baltimore. You got some attention. Uh, is it different to New York when you are six and one, a surprising six and one?
4: Yeah, I believe so. I, I think one of the biggest things is because there's eight million people here. So it is uh, you know you're, you're definitely, uh, you know, right in the center of, you know, the greatest city in the world and, and, and people are excited. And as you know, there's a lot of personality out here on the East coast in New York. And, uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's going really well right now.
3: Have you and Laura hit the town at all?
4: You know, that's the tough part is right now. It's, it's like, uh, I'm a mercenary because she's still back in Maryland with the, you know, the kids and the dogs and, and, and and the grandbaby and uh, she but when when she comes up you know you know we'll, we'll go out but you know it's just like any place else you have your restaurants you really like so instead of you know the, the worst thing is about new york is my diet because whatever food you like you and i were talking about sushi earlier whatever food you like they got the best kind of it so but you know we have our spots we like to go to and it's 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 a lot of fun
3: that's awesome. I, I wonder, are you getting recognized at all, it, you know, in Manhattan or in Jersey? Yeah, when... it's,
4: it's pretty crazy. It's just like I said, there's, you know, my wife said that she goes, it's like, there's more people come up to you now than before. And I said, because there's more people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes sense to me anyway. <laughs> but it's, so,
3: uh, it's been yeah, I, I love it. I, in fact, it's going to be hard when you and I go out, when I come out there, because between all the people mobbing me, no doubt and, and you now it's good you still have your bodyguards with you though right yeah 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 you saw my bodyguards at the combine they're not exactly the the strongest <laughs> dudes in the world one of them works for ESPN and he uh you know I don't think he could bench press a microphone but he's a good
4: mascot though he is a good mascot uh he's <laughs> a
3: hype man for sure um all right the Giants were 19 and 46 the past. Four seasons while you were in Baltimore. Uh, Joe Shane came in, um, Brian Dayball, you, um, and you did some roster flushing and and tweaked it. Um, but honestly, are you guys like a little bit ahead of schedule uh, in in terms of
4: w- turning it around? I, you know, in this league, you know, if, if you don't stay humble, it'll it'll smack you around. So we definitely have our humility with us. I think that uh, the biggest thing that stands out is just the organizational alignment of, of, of like you already said, you know, starting with the Marin and Tish family, and then Joe and and Dave's. Dave's is just he's 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 my kind of guy. And he's just the, the culture that that you know, and we all have something to do with it. But the culture that he's built here is is it makes it a great place to to come to work, and 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 the players have really you know bought in, and 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 help change the culture themselves uh and it's just a different style i believe from the past i wasn't here in the past so but it just seems that way from what i've heard from players and other people you know from the cafeteria or wherever you know there's just it's it's a different it's different environment
3: yeah and and i know you weren't there and we always hear the word culture change but it's it's hard tangibly to know what that is right right. just be Based on what you've heard, what yeah, what's kind of what what have I, been the bedrock?
4: I, I think and I think the culture change has a lot to do with uh, people's personality and and people's uh, confidence in themselves, which pours into the players and 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 for them to to know that it's not the end of the world. You know, like for, I'm, I'm speaking defensively now. If if someone makes a mistake. You know, especially, you know, when you're in OTAs and and well, even in the games, because when they come over to the sideline, uh, you know, it, it was like the world was ending before. And now I'm just like, hey, you owe us two plays. We know you mess it up. You don't have to say my bad. You know, we know. All right. So just, just go, go make it up. You owe, you owe us two plays. And, and the guys have really bought into that philosophy and, uh, you know, they're starting to communicate more and it's, it's just, you just got to just keep stacking, great practices and, and great plays and great days. And then it turns into weeks and then who knows where it's going to end up.
3: They're not running gassers if they mess up. No, <laughs> not, not your style, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you, you will tell them though, you will, you will not sugarcoat it in a oh, film. No, session. Uh, yeah.
4: You know, a lot of that, you know, when you're saying, yeah, you know, I understand what you're saying. Tangible with, with culture. Uh, a, a lot of the, uh, you know, changing the culture is being honest. And once they know that you know, if 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 a player knows that you care about them, they'll bust their tail for you, and you know, and for themselves, and for their teammates. And and you know, that's that's definitely our style, of, of being honest with them up front. And I'll say it in front of the whole defense too. I have you know, we always have those keep it real meetings where I say, here's where we're at, here's what we need to do better, you know, here's the you know the good things, and and uh, you know, they they all appreciate it and respect it.
3: And I'm sure you'll point out when you mess up too, to that. Oh, point. yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that's what I'm saying to all of us. You know, any
4: anything. Yeah, I have no problem doing that.
3: Well, you have practice because I'm, I'm sure Laura points out to you all the time yes, what no when no doubt. you're not doing well. No doubt. <laughs> um, I saw the Seahawks in week two. I covered the 49ers Seahawks game. The 49ers beat them 27 7. The 7 was a blocked field goal. So they basically shut them out. And I thought to myself, okay. Um, you know Russell Wilson's gone they're kind of rebuilding you know the offense is is not where it needs to be since that game they've had the number 1 most productive offense in the league they're averaging 31.8 points a game and now you got to go play them at their place uh is that is that stressful
4: oh yeah of course it is i mean it's it's going to be a great challenge their receiving core is outstanding fast uh, you know the running back, the rookie running back. I saw him hang 300 when Michigan State played Michigan last year, and and he's really starting to blossom as as an NFL running back. Uh, but uh, and Gino is is playing really well. And if I were if I weren't playing against him, I'd say I'm happy for him. But after this weekend, I'll be happy for him because. But he is he's playing really well, and uh, they've done a nice job.
3: Well, Gino's a cool story. He kind of hung tough and got written off, as he said, and, and you know, he's really make, making a lot of this opportunity. Uh, we'll get into your journey because it's it's been super interesting. Um, you know, you – I talk every year about coaches who aren't getting their due in the coaching cycle. A lot of times they're minorities, and that's a big issue. But I talk about you a lot too just because – the production has been so glaringly good and for whatever reason you know I, I feel like you haven't gotten as much um traction in certain cycles you did interview with the Giants um right. you know before the 2020 season right. and I know you really enjoyed that experience and they they really came away impressed um did that kind of stick with you when you were looking around uh you know after this last season
4: Oh yeah, you know, there there's there were some choices, some, you know, possible choices to be made and um, you know, it it's, this is a place that, you know, I really I really liked, you know, the interview process with them. Um, you know, with the history of the organization. Uh it's it's been everything I thought it would be and even more. But uh I I just I think that, that uh you know getting back to Gino what we were talking I, I was asked a similar question in my press conference yesterday and he said have you ever seen another quarterback you know blossom this late in his career like that and I said well really Kurt Warner hmm. you know I said I don't know if they're going to make a movie on Gino but I mean really that's similar to what it was you know you had who Kurt replaced there and 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 uh, at that time St Louis you know and and Gino's doing the same thing in Seattle
3: See, this is why this is why I love you. Another reason you're on my podcast, we're talking and you just managed to get a plug in for a movie that was made about my book with Kurt 21 years after we wrote it, by the way. Yeah. Now, that is friendship that, you know, <laughs> and so anyone who hasn't seen American Underdog uh you know, you'll see my name way up high in the opening credits. Heck yeah. Because it's all me. It's my, it's really no my doubt. doing, not Kurt's. But uh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, that, you know, it's it's true because that is a, you know, I, I am a sucker for the underdog story anyway. Uh, you know, it's funny, my son, when the movie came out, our book was called All Things Possible back in 2000. And my son said to me, dad, do you wish that the movie had been called all things possible. And I go, no, I wish the book had been called American underdog. That's a cooler title. And, you know, we kind of laugh, but I, I fall you know, I love the underdog story so much that anytime I see like a little trace of it, I go nuts. Like Taylor Heineke in Washington last year. And again, this year. And so, um, I, I do get into that. So that's, it's a good jumping off point. Let's talk about your story because, um, You literally you're you're from Ohio and you literally went to college at a place called Defiance.
4: Yes. Yes. Harvard Uh, of Northwest Ohio.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And you, you know, you were probably like a lot of kids in Ohio, you know, a a high school football star who really was into it. And, you know, working class uh, upbringing and and, you know, now, now you're like a big, big Apple star in a fancy studio, but back right, then right, right, right. more of a, more of a humble beginning. Uh, you know, you, you ended up in coaching, but it, you know, you, you did something first. What was your first job uh, well, out of
4: college? My, my grandfather, my uncle, and my dad were all in the trucking business. So of course they wanted me to get into the trucking business. So I, left school a year early and said, I'm just going to get in the trucking business because I got hurt playing football. I hated it. every day I went into that job and I knew that I wanted to coach. I'd, I wanted to be a high school teacher and coach, just like my high school teacher and coach, my high school coach, who's still coaching. Uh, matter of fact, has a playoff game tonight. Wow. Um, he coached me ever since I was in third grade and just made a, was a major impact in my life. Um, and a lot of my style, it comes from him because he talked to us just as honest as I talk to our players all the time, because you knew that he cared. And, you know, if you have somebody that cares, you know, what else do you need? So,
3: and to, and to clarify, you were not playing varsity football in third grade. He was, no, coaching no, no, it- no, no.
4: He's coached me ever since I was in third grade. He, <laughs> he came up the to ranks too.
3: Yeah. yeah. Um, it, and when you went into the trucking business, what was your day to day like? Oh, I was driving a truck.
4: I was I was doing pickups and deliveries. I'd start at 4 30 in the morning. I wouldn't get home till six thirty at night. I'd drive from Dayton, Ohio, up to the Detroit, the Chrysler plant up in Detroit, drop all that stuff off, wait for them to load something back on. That was always fun. And then go do pickups through through Michigan before I went back down to Dayton. So it was. It was not very. It was not entertaining at all. It was not enjoyable at all.
3: <laughs> I'm sure changing flats in the winter is is a great feeling.
4: Yeah, no doubt. Or getting stuck in a snowstorm.
3: Were Were you one of the uh, CB radio guys? Oh yeah, back then, yeah. Did you yeah. have a name?
4: I forget what it was now. <laughs> I, I, I did, but I forget what it, I, I really do forget what it was.
3: What and it wasn't Wink. No. No. Be- and for you young people, Wink Martindale, very famous, uh, kind of cheesy game show host over the years. <laughs> um, you are no relation, though I would watch no. you host a game show for sure.
4: No, no, no relation. But I'm <laughs> um, stuck.
3: Yeah, I know. It's good. I mean, the there is an actress, Margot Martindale, that I've noticed uh, in recent years. So yeah, that's that's know. my
4: cousin. For real? As far as everyone knows, yeah. Oh, that's cool. No, it's not. I just hopefully <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's your it's your it's your de facto cousin. So, OK, so the name Martindale, we've established big in the trucking business in Ohio. Yeah. Um, do you like how do they prep you for that? Do they give you like your first cup of black coffee when you're like <laughs> six, six years old? <laughs>
4: Oh, there's no preparation for that. No preparation for that. Uh, both my uncle and my dad have passed, but God love them. They 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 meant well. And any, uh, and
3: any truck stop showers? Like, did you have to do that no, whole lifestyle? No, no, I
4: I was I was never overnight. No. Okay, was, well, well, that's good.
3: And uh, and you know, I have met your wonderful wife Laura, and she's great. Um, you clearly overachieved. No How, doubt. How did you manage to uh, get that done back in your early days?
4: Really? She chased me, Mike.
3: I can see that. I mean, I think anyone who's looking at the screen right now. <laughs> Honey, sees... I'm just kidding. Honey, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> they see no. two guys right now who were clearly our beautiful wives chased us. I mean, I, I just no, don't think there's any no doubt. doubt.
4: No doubt. I hope <laughs> neither one of them are listening. Um I, I just—it was one of those things. I was dating one of her friends. Uh, she went to the rich school, and I went to the poor school. And I was dating one of her friends, and then I met her, and we did well. I liked her; she didn't like me, for good for good reason. But it was one of those things that we just kept talking, and then we went out, and she—I uh, married her when she was twenty years old. I was twenty-two, and she's twenty wow and you know that's one of the tough parts you were talking about being up here in new york is this is the first time in my coaching career you know we've been married 37 years it's the first time in my coaching career that we haven't been together you know every day and that's that's tough it's yeah, it's that's like, tough. best way to explain it, it's like every every game's an away game you know until yeah when she comes up here it's it's it, it's a relaxer
3: you have a beautiful beautiful place in maryland uh where the dogs can run around you can drink amazing red wine out on the uh on the deck uh although if you if, when you drive up to visit you might you know you, your you know your bravery is tested when those dogs come out to greet you <laughs> but uh yeah no i i can understand why she would want to hang there and you yeah. know obviously but yeah that's got to be tough you, you guys have been through so much together you know what kind of sacrifices has she had to make as a coach's wife.
4: Well, I think we've moved in I wanna say 18 times. Whoa. Uh, you know, where the whole family moved. And then, you know, we were in Baltimore uh for 10 years. So that was like Maryland's like home to my kids because we're that's where we were at the longest. It was usually three years go to go to a better job, three years go to a better job and uh, you know, like when we were Denver, we moved three times. We were there for three years. We moved three times in three years because one place we were renting, the guy wasn't making the house payment. So they foreclosed on it. So we had to move, <laughs> but, uh, it, uh, it, it's all turned out really well.
3: That's awesome. Uh, when you were working at the university of Cincinnati, um, weren't you making some like non-livable wage at the time?
4: Yeah, that, that is. is there, there was there was two things that were pivotal in my career. One is when I was a high school teacher and coach, I really enjoyed it. I was living my dream. And then I said, I wanted to coach college football. So well, the way to get into college football is work summer camps. Well, at that time, I was a big Lou Holtz fan. So I would write a letter, you know, uh, to Coach Holtz and, and say, I want to work your football camp. Well, I didn't realize that you got to have recruits as a high school coach. Then they bring you up to work the camp. You bring the recruits. I, I didn't realize how that worked. So there was two years that I got turned down. And the third year I told Laura, I said, hey, look, they said I'm I'm going to be working the Notre Dame camp, which I they, they turned me down again. But I just went out <laughs> there and I met Skip Holt going in about 530 in the morning at, in, in South Bend. He said, hey, coach, what can I do for you? I said, well, I'm here to work football camp. He said, come on in. So he's looking through his list of coaches and he says, I'm sorry, coach. I don't have your name on the list. I said, that's okay. I'll volunteer. He goes, no, you won't. I'll pay you. And after that I worked there three more years and skip and I, you know, became really good friends. Um, and, uh, he and his wife, Jennifer had us up guests, you know, for games and all that stuff. And then he got the job, uh, at the university of Connecticut, And calls me up, says, I want you to be my outside linebacker coach. I said, great, I'm there. So I resigned from my teaching position. I'm packing up my car. And it's a snowstorm. I remember it just like it was yesterday. And my daughter, I believe, was four at the time. And uh, uh, she said, dad, phone, because Laura answered the phone. So I go in there, and uh, it's Hello, Don, this is Lou Holtz. (laughs) So I'm thinking somebody's busting my chops, right? I'm like, yeah, okay. No, I'm serious. This is Lou Holtz. I'm like, yes, sir. I think I can do more for you than Skip. Why don't you come on up here? Yes, sir. So I was driving to Connecticut. Get the call right before I leave. Then I go to, uh, you know, call Skip. He goes, yeah, I know. I went out to dinner. I made a mistake about bragging about you. So he said he was going to hire you. He said, you gotta go. Good luck. And I'm like, thanks. Well, then two years later, everything was great there at Notre Dame, working for coach Holtz. uh, two years later, there's no jobs. And there for a while, it was like Lou was just turning out head coach after head coach, after head coach. So there was no jobs. And Rick Minner calls me and said, I don't have any money this year, but I will next year. And it was like, I think it was like $4,000 and I had a wife and two kids. Uh, Laura obviously was working. That was a tough time. That, that, that year was a tough time. Um, but when I took that job is where I met Rex Ryan, who was the defense coordinator. John Harbaugh was special teams coordinator, running back coach, assistant head coach. This is in 96. And there was a lot of guys, you know, like Sam Pittman, the head coach at Arkansas was on that staff. There was a lot of guys that uh, went on and did some big things. And, uh, you know, just like Rick's son, Jesse's doing at Michigan right now as a defensive coordinator. It's just, it was, it was really cool. I love how, I
3: I love how you talked yourself into a camp job by just showing up and saying you're a volunteer. Yeah. And then I like, I like how Lou just decided to pilfer from his own son. It was, I know that's,
4: that was Lou though.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. And you were teaching in high school when you were coaching, you were teaching economics, right. oh, I believe. Yeah. Business, and, and, business, education. And biking
4: and biking to work. Yeah. Yeah. At that time it was. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, how was your, how was your experience as a teacher? Were you a good teacher? I, I loved
4: it. I loved it. I, I, I still, I think that's a big part of what I do and how I do it today. I mean, Mike, we've done all kinds of things back then. It was, uh, you know like I had a back then it was chalkboards not grease boards and I had all those Nerf hoops you put on the door well because I was a football coach and a baseball coach I had all the discipline problems in my room they they'd send them you know this they, this kid's acting up in home x so he's going to be in macro economics uh, but I'd have the hoop up and I did that for a couple reasons is because instead of the kids milling around in the hallway A lot of my students would get to class early and they'd be shooting on the Nerf hoop. But the main reason why I did it was so we're in class and um, instead of a kid being embarrassed that he didn't know the question, he'd say, Mr. Martin, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the line because I had a I had a key and a foul line, you know, with the the hoop. I'm going to go to the line. And if they made the shot, they could pass their question on to their buddy. (laughs) <laughs> all right and if they miss a shot i would just tell them the page the question's on and they got to write that paragraph and turn it in before they leave so we had that going we had uh, we had our fridays and i i got all the initials add all i have all those initials um i'd have soft music on on friday i would have uh the, you know what chapters the next chapter because i know i wasn't a very good student and I hated tests on Fridays and Mondays, just like all of us did. So I'd either have a test on Tuesday or Thursday. So Friday, we'd start the next chapter. And back then, you know, it, on Thursday, I'd post their grades. So if the class averaged over 75% in the mornings, I, I'd bring donuts for that class. Or if in the afternoons, I'd, I'd get pizza. So what's that do? All the, the the smart kids are seeing the low scores of the other kids, and they're trying to help them study, which was beautiful. I'm saying I did peer counseling there without even knowing about it back then. <laughs> um, oh, here's another one I did. As a teacher, you get uh, evaluated by the principals. You know, they'd come around, and, and one of them was classroom participation. So I told the kids, I said, now, look, if you know the answer, raise your right hand. If you don't know the answer, raise your left hand. I swear I won't call on you." So I got a classroom of kids going, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> come on guys, you know, that I, you know Susie would be there in the back with her right hand up, Susie, very good, very good, you know, principal, Dale Starner, rest, rest, he got arrested, so he he gets in front of the faculty and he says, I don't know what you guys are doing, but we got a young teacher that has a class full, classroom full of kids that are participating, better I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> My buddy, you did the right hand, left hand thing, didn't you? I said, "Yep." (laughs) (laughs) But you haven't done that in uh, in NFL meetings yet. (laughs) I've told the story, and then you know, a couple guys uh, will bust chops and go, "Oh, oh!" (laughs)
3: Uh, If only I had teachers like that, that would have helped. So, I you got a job. Your first NFL job was in Oakland, correct? Uh, With the Raiders, and now you're working for a living legend at the time, Al Davis, who, um, you know, was a very opinionated guy. He did ban me from the facility many times, full disclosure, but although sometimes we, we did have our good moments. But, um, you know, one of the things I'd heard at that stage was that Al was kind of surrounded by certain people who would just say yes, Al, and not tell him the hard stuff. I can't imagine you... Doing that. So,
4: what were your interactions like with Mister Davis? I I don't know how it happened, but I loved working for Al Davis, and when he asked me a question, I would tell him what I think, you know, and uh, you know, you know, and and you know, have a discussion, you know, with him. And I mean, he, he showed me showed me the way, uh, especially when it come to the draft. That's why I have such Deep passion for the draft is because working for Mr. David's starting out. Um, but uh, he was, he was uh, a very important part of my growth, especially in the NFL. And he would pull me aside and say, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? I was there five years in Oakland, which was like, what would you say, 35 years for normal? Yes. Um, <laughs> assistant coaches didn't last very long there. I guess that's the best way to put it right I think every year in that draft he would get in a discussion with me in front of the staff the coaching staff the personnel department you know all the scouts because I think that I showed a way to respectfully disagree and I think he did I really do think he did it on purpose and uh you know and there was just – there's so many great stories. You know, I, I remember one time, this was one of the first combines he didn't go to when he started failing in health. Uh, one of his – I used to call them the vampires. Like all of a sudden, they'd show up and they'd be right there. One of his assistant guys would say, Mr. Davis is on the phone, and he'd say, I want you – what are you doing? I said, uh, Mr. Davis, I'm at the weigh-ins. You know, I was looking at the linebackers. I'm at the weigh-ins, the high-weigh weight." I want you to get down there on a 40 on the 10 yard line. I want you to feel those wide receivers speed now. Yes, sir. All right. And he, you know, he wouldn't say goodbye. Just hang up. Right. So I'm going down there, but you know, now all these years later, I know exactly what he's talking about. You know, he went, he, that's the great thing about when, when we were working uh, there in Oakland is we knew every player because we sat in on the offensive, you know, You know, now other things were left off because of it. You know, self scout studies and things like that. But you knew every player that got drafted, and you knew you knew all those players for the next, you know, five six years. Oh yeah, I remember him because this this and this and and it it was it was just a great experience. I mean, I I just can't tell you how good that experience was, Mike.
3: When you would challenge him and back up what. your thought was, and he disagreed. Like, did it ever get funny? Like, how contentious it got, but respectful.
4: I don't know what the rating is on this show, so I won't go in depth of of some of the things he used to say. Uh, it's funny now. Sometimes it wasn't. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but uh, he yeah, give us a, give us a a taste with some bleeps. So you can self bleep. All right. He, he would like after you know I would talk to him about like he loved a player and. I said, he's fast, but he's not very instinctive. I'd show him 10 plays. Okay. Okay. So you don't like my guy, huh? No, sir. You know, like I said, it was respective discussions. Now, it wasn't like, you know, that's, you know, I was, I'd, I'd have the right words. Then he'd walk by me and just look at me and go, bleep. And then keep walking. (laughs) And we had one where uh, it was the fourth round, and that's back when it was two days, you know, just Saturday and Sunday. We had the first pick in the fourth round. So all the scouts are coming up to me, you know, Mickey and all those guys like, look, he's got his guy. He's been here all night. He's not in the mood. No one say a word. We're sitting in there, and it's quiet. Well, I got my guy. No one's saying a word. Does anybody else have anybody they want to draft? Because he said it's Carlos France, wide receiver. You know, and Carlos could fly. Now he, he was track; he, he pulled hamstrings all the time. But and it's just dead quiet. And I and this was early too. Yeah, this was early there. I think this is another reason why he took a liking to me. No one has anything, huh? Oh, well, I guess I'm the only one who wants to win around here. So I said, "I have somebody, Mr. Davis," and R- Rob Ryan went, "Like <laughs> you just broke the code. What are you doing?" <laughs> and I saw it because we—I always strategically sat back behind Mr. Davis. He would sit up, you know, up there. I'd be back here, and I saw his shoulders. You know, he started laughing a little bit because, like, he knew everything. If he asked you a question, he already knew the answer. And I know he knew that everybody's going around there. Hey, man, don't say a word. Be you know. So who do you have? I said, Demario Williams, linebacker from uh, Nebraska. So back then I didn't know this. I, I had, uh, you know, he said, do you have a tape? And uh, one of the scouts says, I have a tape. Well, it was a kill tape. There was good tapes. And there was kill tapes. It was the kill tape (laughs) in front of, in front of everybody, you know, in front of the, you know, once again, in front of everybody, offense, the whole staff, personnel, there's this tape going on. I'm like, oh, my God.
3: His worst moments.
4: Just his worst moments. <laughs> I'm like, this is a kill tape. Yeah. He said, yeah, I know it is, kid. Makes a selection. This is. It's the first year because there's another story to it, too. Um, Walks by me after he makes his pick, or, the, makes a selection. I said, kid, I just couldn't turn down that. I, I, I know what they did to you there. That's a kill tape. I, li- I liked Demario, but I just couldn't turn down that speed. Yes, sir, Mr. Davis. And Rob's like, you lucky. At- <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, you still have a job. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. I'm like, hey, I had a guy. I had a guy. That was a good pick. And then uh, remember the running back from uh, Louisville that broke his leg, was going to be a Heisman winner? Uh, Michael Bush. Bush. Michael Bush. Michael Bush. So another another situation this time it was Saturday yeah Saturday night before we left and he says does anybody have anything? Once again it's crickets because everybody just wants to leave. It's crickets. I do Mr. Davis. What, Donnie? Oh, <laughs> uh, it brings joy to my heart. What, Donnie? I said, I don't want to farm anybody else's land. But I've seen this kid play in high school. And if offense doesn't want him at running back, I'll take him at linebacker. We need to draft Michael Bush. This guy is a stud. And, you know, you'd have to wait for a year. But, huh, that's interesting. Tom, because Tom Rathman was running back coach. You know anything about him? Yes, sir, I do, Mr. Davis. Make me a tape. I said i already have a tape right here because <laughs> i wasn't gonna get got again i don't no kill tape tape. Right here mr no don't kill tape <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and and the next day we drafted him yeah uh, that's uh, yeah that's, that's like i said that's the cool part that i'll never forget about work for mr davis if you believed in something you said it and i took plenty of beatings from him too now you know that like all all the coaches do
0: That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.
2: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's Pee Wee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary.
3: Yeah, yeah. While it's on my mind, this is kind of a switch, but um, you know, you guys went to London and played the Packers. That was the first time, by the way, two teams with winning records had ever faced off in London. So big, big moment for the, the Brits. And everyone's going to kind of, you know, people will remember that you guys won. And I, I I referenced blitzing Aaron Rodgers and Hail Mary and stuff. But it turns out the most memorable image from that game was something else. And that was one of your, uh, it was your Nickelback, great kid, uh, Darnay Holmes. Um, on the sideline was, well, I don't know what he was getting, but w- what... <laughs> What was going on? And when you saw that video that came out of him on the sidelines, what, what was your reaction?
4: Well, it's, uh, the 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 serious reaction is that, that there was something wrong with his groin. It was tightening up.
3: It, it appeared that there was a groin involved. It was from so, behind the video.
4: So he even said, let's go to the blue tent. Well, I don't know exactly what the rule is, but there's something about you can't take them to the blue tent unless there's—I I don't know if it's a a, a head injury or head neck—I I don't know what it is. But you know, so he said, "No, we'll just do it right here." So then the the that we we didn't even get on the plane yet, and that that was already—I mean, Twitter is brutal. <laughs> I mean, it's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> undefeated and brutal. Uh, so uh, I'm just glad I wasn't anywhere around that. Thank you.
3: <laughs> right, because that's a rough day of work. Um, I mean you know you're you're a part of the training staff for an NFL team. right. right. But now you've got to get a player's groin right. Well, and, uh, you're,
4: and you're trying to get them right back on the field so they don't miss any snaps too. So you want the, you want the blood to flow. Stop it.
3: So you're going to be, I mean, so I'm just saying, so from behind the video, like because first of all, it didn't help Darnay that, you know, his pants were kind of pulled down. So there was some, there was some exposure there, (laughs) but you're saying, you're saying it was just the groin. Nothing. It wasn't necessarily anything higher than the groin. Okay. Yes. All right. So literally you guys are on the bus when th- that started coming out? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I mean, they're passing around a plane and everything. It was, it was, uh, it was pretty funny.
3: It must've been a hell of a bus run. Luckily you won. So you could really no doubt. enjoy. No doubt
4: that, that, that uh, I have such respect for, for Aaron Rodgers. That, that was a, that was a really cool game and uh, uh, to be a part of it. and And uh, like I said, I just had so much respect for him and, I just hope that uh, they help him out as long as I'm not playing against him.
3: No doubt. Yeah, I know you guys. You guys have this great mutual respect thing going. It's cool. Like me, you the you tend to bond with the people who have the very extreme personalities who are considered kind of you know the word saps of the world, right? Like so, um, I know one of your all-time favorite guys is Marcus Peters. Right. Uh, I covered a preseason game. Where I believe he took over for you, he was not playing. He took over for you and and ran the defense of the second half.
4: Yes, he did. That's what. That's where he doesn't get enough respect. Everybody wants to talk about whatever. Besides his, he he is a football savant. He really is. And and from the corner position, you don't see that very often. You know, you see a lot of guys, you know, the, the, the great ones that, you know, can make plays out there and they study receivers. He studies the game. And uh, I, I just, I, I, I love Marcus Peters. He's, he's a good man. And, uh, you know, I sure do miss, you know, being around him. But uh, uh, that was a tough one after we played the Ravens seeing him. I, I made sure I made that a quick, I love you, keep walking, because I would have got too emotional.
3: So when you gave him the headset and had him run the D, he's on the sideline with you. Well,
4: I kept the communication part. He'd just tell me what call he wanted. How'd he do? Well, he shut him out. (laughs) Shut him out. Well, see, and the record before that was Weddle. Weddle had three series of three three and outs. Whoa. So after, you know, I'd say, you want to go again? Yeah, I'll go again. You know, Mark says, yeah. Yeah, and then he's like, I'm finishing it. You know, I'm like, all right. But, you know, there's different guys that you didn't hear about, you know, like Siz was calling plays and they started gaining yards on Siz, and he just like threw the call sheet at me. He said, I don't want to do this, you do it.
3: <laughs> you know, Siz. when I first uh, met Ciz, we were I was doing a workout story in Southern California with him and some other guys. He was very early in his career, and um, President Obama was. He had just become president. Had given a speech at Arizona State, um, and it was controversial because normally when someone comes and gives the graduation speech, they give him an honorary degree, but they hadn't. They had not given President Obama the honorary degree, so it became a thing. And I remember it came up at breakfast, and Sis said man, they didn't give him a degree. He goes, I went to Arizona State. I passed my classes. He goes, that mf went to Harvard. They should give him five degrees. And, you know, just hearing, <laughs> him, cl- hearing him cloud his own school yeah. uh, was amazing. So, yeah, I, I can see how Ciz
4: that That's made- another smart football player.
3: Right. Yeah. So smart football player, but maybe didn't have the patience to... Um, you know, you said you have all the initials. I, I, I can see Sis not having the patience to yeah. think through an entire, you know, series of if it didn't work. But like so, it's,
4: too, it's too early to do here. You know what I mean? Because we're just putting in a new system. But the reason why I do that is so you can, you know, they're sitting on the back of that plane saying I would have called this or I would have called that then you have those guys that actually call it and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not as easy as you think. You know what I mean? And, yeah. uh, you know, and it's, yeah. you know, the guys that, uh, know the system real well, like Marcus and, and Weddle did, and then Sizz did too. like I said, Sizz is a, a, a football savant, uh, as well. And, um, he, uh, he just know he just knows how to play possum.
3: I'd love to extend that to, um, beat writers and columnists too, and TV analysts. Um, because, you know, many of us think we know scheme now. That's I've noticed. I, I actually know that I don't. But <laughs> I feel like a lot of my peers, more than when I broke in, are kind of um, presenting themselves as, like, experts on scheme and strategy. So, you know, hey, if you ever, like, you know, you won a couple Super Bowls as a head coach and you're feeling, like, super secure and you want to just bring down some media people to, to call a preseason game, I'd love to see that.
4: Oh, that would be good, wouldn't it?
3: <laughs> I'd be, I'd be like, Sis, what do I call? Hey, Marcus.
4: <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so you're a fantasy league owner, huh? You go, <laughs> see, see, if your Kofi's worth it.
3: I, I think also it would be fun to see media people try to give coaching points to NFL players in the heat of battle. You know, I think that that might not be received, yeah. you know, quite as well.
4: But there's, um, there's a lot of great people in this, in this profession. I mean, there really is, you know, I've gotten to know you, for example, it's just, it's uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that uh, it's always easier to do, just like it would be for me Right, you know I, like you think you would be able to do it like what we're doing right now but who knows i wouldn't know what questions to ask i just do what we're doing is just things that you and i've talked about before and everything else so
3: well i do feel like it people who are themselves in any context which i would describe you exactly that way it helps because then there's no variability, like if you're a TV person and you sound like this on television, <laughs> but then when you're off TV, you sound like this, it kind of freaks people out. But if you, I just tried when I was on TV a lot to just be me on
4: TV. And, oh, you can tell it too. I yeah. Mean, and I, and it was,
3: it's not for everyone. Just like in person, it's definitely not for
4: everyone. Well, here's what it is. You know why it's not for everyone? Because not everybody's comfortable comfortable in their own skin like we are. Right. Right. All right, you think this? All right, you know what I mean. I'll I'll prove you wrong. You, you know it's just okay. I
3: so. would say that and the natural beauty that we both possess. Once again, male models. Yeah. yeah, male models. I mean, call us. You know, we I'm, we I have might some... be
4: in the husky division of male models now, but back yeah. in the day, I was straight male model.
3: Yeah, and the reason you're in the husky <laughs> division, as you said, is because you live in one of the great food cities, oh. if not oh. the greatest of the world. No doubt. And- and you're about to get a bunch of free meals, I think. I mean, look, I don't know what you, like, when you just were secretly, like, what could this team be this year um, record-wise? But, you know, the fact that you got to six in general, I think is, like, pretty exciting, and it's going to get higher.
4: Yeah, I, th- I think that uh, the, the the credit goes to the players. Those, those guys, it's, it's re-energized me, Mike, coming here and, and uh, being with just a new group of guys, you know, the change itself, uh, bringing some of my guys, you know, with me uh, from Baltimore, Drew and Kevin Wilkins. I got uh, Johnny Eggs, who was with me when I was a linebacker coach there. And I've known Brian Cox and Dre Patterson forever. And Jerome Henderson, our secondary coach, he was here on the previous staff. I mean, he is a rock star. So, it, you know, the, the the players play hard and the coaches are all standing on an even keel like I do during the game something bad happens we just say okay here's how we got to fix it let's go do it and they just they just keep answering the bell and it's it's really fun to watch it really is
3: i love it okay i got a couple quick ones for you because you've been amazing and you probably have to actually go do some it's fast yeah yeah it's fast right um first of all um you said before you played joe burrow last year you said hey it's not like we're measuring him for a gold jacket yet, which was accurate. Yeah. He was very young. He seemed to like. He got all fired up about that. Uh, have you guys hugged it out yet, or is that? Oh yeah, just a- yeah.
4: We hugged it out this year in preseason because they, you know, what, what are they? What do you? What is media call it? A throwaway line? Yes. Okay. It was a throwaway line after they explained to me what a throwaway line was. <laughs> we, were, we were talking. We were talking about Aaron Rodgers and and Devonte, and you know about aaron said that i gave him a coverage you know that he hasn't ever seen before and you know and, and like you already said the mutual respect we have for each other and then another guy chirps in and said are you going to do the same thing for joe burrow well i was in the middle of a sentence talking about aaron Rodgers going to be a first ballot hall of fame quarterback and then when he said it it, I just said, well, I don't think we're getting ready to measure Joe for a gold jacket yet, but they have talented receivers, uh, you know, and he's he's really picked up the offense his second year. You know, I said it like four other things, complimenting Joe Burrow. Well, what comes out is we're not ready to fit him for a gold jacket yet. And he yeah. used it, just like I do. You know, I mean, every, every – I think every coach and, and every player that's worth anything in this league finds a reason to uh, – uh, not like somebody that Sunday, you know, in, in preparation. And, you know, uh, and we've always viewed ourselves as underdogs as far as I'm, I'm saying we as coaching staff. And uh, I have definitely uh, as a as defensive coordinator. And I think that's what, that's what keeps my edge.
3: Yeah, and you are getting more media savvy. And the way I knew that was um, first you had a line talking about last year where you said, I learned don't go to DoorDash to get – backup cornerbacks, which, you know, you guys were very injury-ravaged. But then my favorite was, you did blitz in a preseason game against the Patriots, which some coaches really don't like, and Belichick kind of said something about it, and you were going to get asked about it the next day, and you were getting ready to play the Bengals, and amazingly, you had the greatest possible line picked out um, to use multiple times, which was, we're on to Cincinnati, so... Um, you're getting there, man. You're, you're going to yeah. be pretty good at this. Yeah.
4: yeah.
3: <laughs> the, the, uh, um, I, sometimes I get accused of not respecting punters. And what I always say is it's not that I don't respect punters. It's just that I respect them way less than the other 52. Sorry. That's just me. Um, kickers, I respect more, but you know, kickers are still kickers, but you were with the, a kicker who, I, I mean, Justin Tucker is ridiculous, you know, probably the best who's ever done it. Um, is he also the cockiest who's ever done it?
4: Um, I think he might be the smartest that's ever done it. And I think he uses his personality to do things like Royal farm commercials and things like that. I think he's very confident and as well as he should be. Uh, Cause he sticks to his routine and, uh, you know, the, the, the biggest thing stands out is he's got a new long snapper and a new holder this year, and he's still kicking as well as he ever has. Uh, but I've been fortunate to be around a lot of good punters and kickers throughout my career. We had Seabass and Leckler out there and and Sam and and, and uh, Justin Tucker there and Baltimore, Sam Cook and Justin Tucker. And, you know, Kondo was a long snapper. I For some reason, I just I, I love being around those guys. I think the biggest reason is, is because most of them are golfers. And we talk golf instead of kicking and instead of football. And it's just a break for me when I'm out on the field and special teams and all that stuff. I can talk to them about that kind of stuff.
3: You know, you're a guy who I think is finally going to get some head coaching uh, hysteria, hopefully, if it keeps going like this. Um, You know, I, I know a lot of coaches who are just like, I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to put my head down and try to do good work. And if it happens, it happens. And then you and I both know coaches who, uh, you know, are thinking about it all the time, even when they're GAs and they're, you know, 23. Yep. Um, kind of where are you with that? How do you feel about, you know, wanting to be a head coach and and whether it'll happen?
4: I think uh, earlier in my career, you know, I, I was one of those younger guys that said, uh, you know, I got to be a head coach. I got to be a head coach. I've through my experience, I I think that you're wherever you're at is where you're supposed to be. And, uh, you know, and that's how I feel because there's just so many variables that go into it. You know, it from covering it all that, you know, that it just, you just don't know. It's, it's a different league today is what it was, you know, 10 years back, you know, and, uh, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, if, if you get the opportunity, you grasp it and take off with it, just like Dave's has here. Uh, hire the best staff you can hire and, and great things can happen. And, you know, and like you said, we're just in the infant, state, infant stages of, of building a, a program here. And it's it's been a lot of fun doing it.
3: Well, I love it. And uh, I am anxious to see it in person one of these weeks. Uh, it will, uh, you know, i will never be able to figure out what you guys are doing and how this turned around and uh whatever secrets you and well, dave's don't, and, hey don't j- even don't
4: even question it just go with
3: it <laughs> exactly <laughs> whatever whatever you and joe and dave's and company are, uh My whatever calf sorcery calf
4: is a rock star too now that's one yeah of, right he is so, a rock
3: star yeah i i hear that actually so yeah whatever you guys have going uh just um I don't know. I don't know how, if I should say this at the end, but keep massaging it. You know, like a guy on the sideline. But why do you
4: have to go? Why you have to go back to that, Mike? Why, there you it's go. It's just so easy.
3: <laughs> Twitter remains undefeated. Um, thank you so much.
4: Thank you, Mike.
1: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.